The Word is for everyone. It's alive and active, filled with wisdom, truth, and hope. Understanding and interpreting its pages can seem overwhelming, but this podcast is here to help. This is Unschooled and Ordinary. Well, what's poppin' podcast, people? Welcome back to the Unschooled and Ordinary Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. I'm here with Mr. Commentary himself, Ben Wade. No notes this week, Angie Gates. <laughs> and our designated reader, Miss Brandy Stewart. Y'all, I wanted to just start off because I just ate a ton of chicken for lunch. Mm-hmm. And I just want to know, what is your favorite place? Where is your favorite place to eat lunch? Raising canes. Mm. I try to get away. Like, I try that to not be my answer, but then I eat it. <laughs> and it and is then the I, truth. While I'm eating it, I'm like, this is my favorite place. <laughs> mm. I guess I would say Nukes, but gosh, I feel like I'm missing out in Hattiesburg. There's so many other choices. I always go to the same place. Oh, mm. I love Nukes. They're Nukes Cube Pizza. Mm. Mm. It's a classic for a reason. It, that, it is that pizza that I ate where I realized I don't hate tomatoes. <laughs> I started eating tomatoes because of that pizza. Hmm. True Thank story. you, Nukes. Good thing to know. Uh, I think my favorite is probably T-Bones, specifically if I can hit them on Thursday when they got that roasted red pepper and Gouda soup. I could eat it every day. Mm. My go-to, Angie, you know where it is. Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday is the Mexican restaurant. <laughs> I eat there at least four times a week. <laughs> wow. But Taco Tuesday, but four times a week? No, I mean, I'm... <laughs> I'm just at the Mexican restaurant. So, hey, we are in week three of our study of the book of Romans. And um, you got to realize when you're studying the book of Romans, there are four major themes. And right now in chapter one, two, three, and four, the major theme is God's righteousness. Mm-hmm. And last week we looked at the importance of being justified by faith. And the only reason we can be justified is because of God's love for us. The gospel is the good news. That's what it means. And um, we're about to read a passage that's pretty tough to hear. The title of this section in my Bible is God's Wrath Against Sinful Humanity. Mm -hmm. But we have to zoom out and realize that the end result is not God's wrath. The end result is God's reconciliation and the reason people can be reconciled to God is because God is a good God. And it is the goodness of God that calls people into repentance and and gives people an opportunity to know Him. So we're about to read just a section. So keep in mind, this is a section. The wrath of God is a piece of the gospel, but it is not the entire part of the gospel. So Brandy, if you'll kick us off as we read, we're going to read... Half of this section, we're going to discuss it, and then we'll uh, see what we have time for after that. Okay, we're going to start in verse 18 of chapter 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. 
For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Yes. Let's, let's just do this. What, what are some things that stood out to you in that passage? Because there were just so many things that jumped off the page at me. Well, I have a question. Um, when it says in, in the version that I have, uh, the NIV, it says those who sp- suppress the truth by their wickedness. Um, do you consider yourself wicked? Like when you hear that word? Not right off the bat. No. You, know, you know, I really like to read this and think about all the bad people. <laughs> Other people. Yeah, the other ones. <laughs> it's just that choice of wording, I guess, that, that throws me off. Like, mm-hmm. do you, Ben? What do you think? No, not a, like, not, yeah, I'm probably leaning more towards Tyler. That's not talking about me. You, yeah. you know, Angie, I've got a bad tendency. Anytime I read something about scripture, especially like Jesus, I always put myself in his shoes. <laughs> like it's you? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, those other people need to hear that. I don't know. I think of that word as just evil, as as like um, witchcraft, this dark, dark stuff, just the meaning of the word wicked. But it's very clear in Scripture. I mean, not just here in Romans chapter 1. We are wicked people. Yes. And so it's hard. It's hard for me to read that and realize that the truth of the matter is, this is talking about me. This is not talking about people that um, just do these outlandish things, the, the them that mm-hmm. we talk about so often, but to relate it to myself personally. Yeah, and what we'll read later is, like, you've got, you've got this list of evilness, envy, murder, gossip, those who disobey their parents. Yeah. It's like it's just Throw all, that one in there. Yeah, just throw that right in there. I think we all fall in that category. Now, as I was reading that passage, <clears throat> and Brandy, hearing you read it, like I had to, I have to turn the page in my Bible to go from the first two verses to the next. And so on the on the second page, I, I read it says for they. It keeps saying they, them, and like I made a note while I was studying. It's like okay, who's 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 they? Who's them? So I had to go back, flip the page back. That's why I referenced that. Um, and then highlighted people who suppress the truth, mm-hmm. right? So then I flip back over, and I see in verse 21, it says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. It says, For although they knew God, and mm-hmm. like, Brandy, you kind of blew my mind earlier mm-hmm. talking about that, um, that we're talking about people that knew God, but just chose to not do anything with the knowledge of God that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, and the road that follows as we continue to read this passage, like the path that that leads to. Yeah, I definitely think that's the thing that stuck out to me the most. Like, it's pretty clear, like, hey, not only did these people know God and choose to, you know, their own thinking, that's part of it too, like, I think it's really easy for us to go down the path of what there's like a saying where if you ever get to the point where you think you know everything that the Bible is saying or you know everything that there is to know about God, that's when you know the least, Mm -hmm. you know. And so like my thinking is what can get me 
into a really darkened place like it was talking about. So I don't know, I guess it just challenged me to be sure that everything that I think and everything that I do, I really do have to bring it back and and compare that to truth, not what I think in my head is right, but what I know and see from this Bible that says, hey, this is what is right. This mm. is who we know to be Jesus. This is what we know to do. Yeah, I love how James refers to Scripture as the perfect law of freedom, like he who looks into the perfect law of freedom. Mm. And the Scripture is a mirror. And anytime we're reading Scripture, we should be reading it and seeing how how does this, how does my life reflect this? Like in what ways, specifically to this passage, in what ways do I reject God? Hmm. It, I think a lot of times we've got a tendency to say, how does this apply to the other person? Yeah. yeah. Well, and that, asking that question that you just did, like it's a lot easier and we're a lot quicker to do it than we, let me, it's a lot easier and I'm a lot quicker to do it. <laughs> there, there we are. Than, um, than I want to admit, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it simply starts with not not glorifying him or giving him thanks, right? And then all of a sudden my posture becomes wonky yeah. and I don't, I'm ungrateful. And we see right here in scripture that that's going to lead me down a not good road. Yeah, it's the proverb, the pride comes before the fall. Mm-hmm. You know, our pride, our refusal to give God his appropriate credit and to glorify him, it ultimately leads to our own destruction. I love what Kyle said on this. Um, it isn't so much that God will destroy you, it's that he will remove his presence from you mm-hmm. and allow you to destroy yourself. It's, it's not so much God's going to send lightning down or, you know, do something crazy. The worst thing is he may just give us what we want. But when you say that, like, <sighs> the scary part is God removing his presence. Mm-hmm. But do we consider that scary? Like, in, we can sit here and talk about it and talk ourselves into a place where we realize, yeah, that's a scary place. But do we live like, wow, I mean... To be out of the presence of God, how would that affect me? Mm-hmm. It's like when we're sinning, we're like, man, I really hope God don't see this. <laughs> and instead, it's like, God, please convict me of this. Don't remove your presence right. from me in the sin because I don't want to get comfortable with it. Yeah. Should we keep reading what happens when that happens? <laughs> <laughs> For okay. sure. Verse 24. So this is a long list of things. Y'all hang in there, okay? But it says... And these first couple of words are the most terrifying. It says, Therefore, God gave them up into the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Then again, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchange natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. 
They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. That hurt my feelings to just read. (laughs) I've got nothing to add. Y'all can talk about it. Um, you know, truly, the one thing that I have underlined in my Bible uh, in that passage is how it kept repeating, God gave them up, God gave them up, God gave them up. And I think that just goes back to what you were talking about, Tyler, of that's terrifying. I do not ever want to get to a place where I've convinced myself that what I am doing is so right that God says, you know what? Go ahead. Mm. Go ahead. <laughs> The thing that stood out to me right there is how it, it says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, mm-hmm. um, and they worshiped and served the created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. And it's not a question of who do you worship, or it's not a question of do you worship God, do you believe in God. It is the question of who is your God, because mm. it doesn't say that they just quit believing; they turned their beliefs to something else. And anytime we put our faith in anything other than God and um, following and living our lives in accordance to His Word, we are putting our faith, which means a firm persuasion, into something else. We are allowing something else to persuade our beliefs, will ultimately ultimately persuade our life and how we live. I think that same verse is what stood out to me, but for a little different reason, where it says they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And I've all, I guess it's easy for me to think of that as the truth of who God is or the truth of the gospel message and to think that I would so courageously never trade that in for any sort of lie. Like I'm not going to be um, veer off the path of saying I'm going to not believe this anymore because I'm going to believe all of these lies that are deceptive. But that comes in such a sneaky form. And just because we may think we are so strong in our faith doesn't mean we are not daily trading His truths for lies. It can get a little more personal when you start thinking about the lies that you believe about yourself, whether you think you are worthless or you are unlovable or you don't matter. Those are lies, and you're trading the truth of what Scripture says and what God thinks about you as you do that. So it's, it's when it gets a little more um, personal— those are the same types of lies that affect us and truly could take God's presence, you know, cause this division there where you don't even feel him anymore. Right. And the best lies are the ones that's about 95% true. Hmm. Just got a little twist at the end. And that's why it's so important to be in God's word. Yeah. A great resource on that, my favorite author, John Mark Comer. He's got a book titled Live No Lies. That's and I highly recommend it for Mm -hmm. everybody. I noticed in this where it says God gave them over, you see it in verse 24, it says, therefore God gave them over. In verse 26, it said, because of this, God gave them over. And then later in verse 28, so God gave them over. I remember Jeff preaching, this was several years back. It, It like really opened my eyes. He was talking about Pharaoh and we know all the plagues that God sent to Egypt. And it's like, man, and, and, and you keep reading, um, 
God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And it's like, why would God harden his heart? Well, every time it says God hardened his heart, it's because Pharaoh hardened his heart toward God. And then that was the consequence. So it's not like God just removes his presence from us. It's we continue to reject his way. Mm -hmm. And he says, okay, well, if that's what you want to do, little by little, I'm going to give you what you want and I will remove my presence from you. Yeah. What's the thing all the preachers always tell you when you see a therefore, you need to figure out what it's there for. Oh, Brandy. <laughs> Look at me putting on my old pastor's hat. Um, I'm going to put that in my quiver. Yeah. Save it for later. But if you go back right before in verse 22 and 23, it tells you the exact reason why. They were claiming to be wise and they exchanged the glory of God for other things. Therefore, yeah. God gave them up. Not just suddenly, you know, like one small thing or, you know, I think that I don't know, just the way that I grew up in church. Um, we don't have to go super deep into this, but uh, the church I was brought up in, you could lose your salvation. And so I think that was really hard for me to to grasp that it's not like God said, hey, you had one bad thought and now I'm going to remove my presence from you. Mm-hmm. No, it's when my heart and my mind are going against everything and God has been chasing and pursuing and calling me back to Him, and I just say, no, I've got this figured out. Right. Isn't that blasphemy? Like you can just continue to deny hmm. God over and over and over. You just continue to reject Him, right? Maybe. I think that's right. Um, fact check. <laughs> we read about fact check. Y'all can, y'all can do that <laughs> sometime. Any, any more things to add that stand out to you? I was just kind of going back through and looking at a lot of this and even um, in these things that are that are hard to read and reveal so many things to to me about, you know, what might be in my heart. um, And we still see how much God loves us because in there, there's the the like he gives us the power to choose, Mm -hmm. you know, and like we can't like. You can't have the um, without choice. There can't be true love, That's right. right? And so even in, even in these in these things, man, like God's given us the the power to choose, and we we see He's revealed Himself mm-hmm. to me, and He's revealed Himself to us, and and it's up to me to choose what I do with that. And He loves me so much, He's going to allow me to choose what I do what I do with that. Right, because no true love is forced. Mm. So we are going to end it on that note. Again, this passage is jam-packed, and so are the next couple chapters as well. I want to encourage you all to check all of that out over this week. Next week is going to be exciting. We have a special guest. Who is it? It's a surprise. Come on, guys. (laughs) Surprise. I don't know who it is yet. No, I'm just kidding. Just can't tell you. Just can't tell you. Got to come back next week. Oh, yeah. So we're looking forward to it. We hope to see you there. Until then, peace. Unschooled and Ordinary is an original podcast from Venture Church. While this podcast is great for individual study, the word really comes alive when we talk about it and apply it to our lives in house church. House churches are small groups of believers gathered in homes for a meal, scripture study, discipleship, and prayer in a trusted community of faith. They meet on Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. in homes throughout South Mississippi, and you can join anytime. 
To find a house church near you, visit venturechurch.org slash housechurch.